amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hello, world. This is TJ Morris, and you're listening to American Communications Online and TJ Morris ET Radio with Teresa J. Morris, Thomas Ahmed Becker, and Ken R. Johnston Sr. for the Allied Command Organization. So welcome aboard, all you ground troops sitting around smartly. We're very happy to uh, have everybody joining us today for the ACO radio that we'll be promoting together for 2019 on Down Forward. Uh, Mad Painter, I'm going to get him on here. He's been with us for many years. He's now our general manager for TJ Marcucci Radio, ACO Radio, American Communications Online, and many of our groups that we have together. And uh, yes, we are sharing many of our Facebook groups. So, and I'm not on yet. Let's see. I guess this is going to be interesting. <laughs> I think I'm on, and I can't see if I'm on. So let me see if this works. Hold on. Let's see if this is a mad painter. Am I going to have trouble tonight? I'm, I did the other night calling in. Let's see if uh, I'm live already. I think I'm live already. Uh, Thomas Becker, can you hear me now? <laughs> okay, this is going to be interesting. I'll try to refresh my screen and uh, get back in here. Uh, Thomas Becker, I hope you're here. And uh, unfortunately, ah, there we are. I guess I am on. Okay, let me try one more time to get a mad painter because he's invited Dr. Irina Scott to join us, and let's hear her very interesting story. Uh, she received her PhD from the University of Missouri College of Veterinary Medicine and Physiology and did past doctoral research at Cornell University. Wow. So she's had uh, professional experience in a lot of places, including, including St. Bonaventure University, and her MS was from the University of Nevada, or Nevada, and her BS from Ohio State University in astronomy, wow, and biology, and she's done research and teaching at the Ohio State University College of Medicine and the University of Nevada, or Nevada, depending on how you uh, are accustomed to hearing it. Now, the Defense Intelligence Agency, we all know, DIA, employed her in her PhD level as a GS-11 research in satellite photography, including in Air Order of Battle section, wow, <laughs> which involved aircraft identification with above top secret security clearances. And she was employed in MS level work as a physical scientist, cartographer in the DMA Aerospace Center. Wow, this lady is something. Look at all this stuff. And universe uh, satellite photography. So she worked at Battelle Memorial Institute. She's been sent for work related purposes to Wright Patterson Air Force Base. So she's actually been a volunteer astronomer at the University of Ohio or Ohio State University Radio Observatory and the Wow SETI signal and uh, 
an amateur star has been flying lessons in a drone pilot. My goodness, this lady is something. She is quite the accomplished woman on any planet, much less America and the northern hemisphere. I guess she was a correspondent for Popular Mechanics magazine. Her populations and her publications <laughs> include books, works in science, and scientific journals, magazines, newspapers. They've used her photography and television and magazines, books. My goodness, not only that, she served as a MUFON, one of the MUFON directors from 93 to 2000. Now, I don't know if she's still a MUFON consultant for physiology astronomy as a field investigator, but we're going to find out. Uh, we were hoping a mad could get in touch with her. And uh, let me see if I can get a mad on this time. A mad painter, are you on now? Can you hear me? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, oh good. I thought she'd make a, <laughs> a, a make a good talk this evening. What do you think? <laughs> I'm not even finished. She also is a <laughs> member of the Mid Ohio Research Association, editor of the Ohio UFO Notebook. Her UFO publications include articles in MUFON UFO Journal. International UFO reporter, Fate. Ooh, I love Fate. And I love the lady that owns it, too. She's been one of my very best friends for a long time. And let's see. Uh, it goes on, not to mention whatever else we don't have, because, folks, I have to apologize to her and everybody else that's listening. Uh, I tried to call Ken R. Johnston. I had a family emergency. Uh, you know, you never know what life's going to throw at you. So I was doing this at the last minute thinking it was up, and I've had a little technical difficulty, so it wasn't up. So a mad painter, uh, were you able to get in contact with her? Because I was late getting all this. After she's being... here. She's here. Oh, she's with me. Can you hear me? Oh, okay. Oh, yay. Okay, well, yeah. Uh, okay, so Mad, Mad you got her on Skype. That's why I can't see her. Okay, well, uh, I tried I don't get, see... I tried to get Ken, but he didn't answer. I did. Too. I, I tried so getting close. Ken, but he didn't answer. Okay, well, well, hold on just a minute. I think this is uh, Thomas uh, Sinisi from Hawaii was helping me today hold the fort down with my family problems. I had an emergency, folks. Uh, is this uh, Thomas Sinisi of Hawaii? Yeah, it's Hawksblood. Hawksblood. Okay, Tommy Hawksblood. Sinisi. Okay, Tommy, good. Uh, if you can, try to get in touch with Ken R. Johnston for us. But let's start. Uh, okay, we're all here. The gang's all here. Yay, except for Ken. And uh, we look forward to having him on here with us as the Allied Command. All right, so let's let everybody introduce themselves. Uh, Ahmed, would you start? Uh, introduce yourself. Irina and uh, Tommy Hawksblood Sinisi is here with me. We're her Facebook friends. So go ahead, Ahmed. You go ahead and introduce yourself. Well, I'm just an old hippie that's really inquisitive. Uh, I like to learn new things and help people learn new things. <laughs> that's about it. Okay. Well, Tommy, you want to say uh, something real quick about yourself since you've been with us for seven years? Yeah, Tommy here. I've been with PJ for seven years. I'm on the big island of Hawaii. So I'm always in the background. I've been working with her on a lot of different subjects, which we're trying to move forward. And hopefully we can. Uh, we, we do suggest people get involved and be active in the program. Call in, ask questions, write us. 
join the sites, join, become part of it, the whole organization. Uh, we want to get it a little bit up and running in a bigger way so that it helps more people. All right, TJ, well, back to you. you. Thank you. All right, now, I think officially all uh, things are said that need to go forward. We're so excited that Thomas Becker was able to get in touch with this famous Dr. Arena Scott. I don't know how I feel not worthy, not worthy of mad, but okay, Ahmed, let's get to Dr. Arena Scott. I guess you got in touch with her on Skype, so go ahead and hook us all in there so we can hear her, Ahmed. Yeah, uh, she. She's right here. Uh, she's an author too. Uh, she's wrote several books that are uh, rather good. Uh, let me get the titles. Um, I want to. I wow. want to mess them up. Okay. Uh, inside, in, inside the lightning ball, which is an interesting story, by the way. Uh, and uh, she's also done uh, Uncle, My Journey with John Purdue. Females Going Ape, Generational Life and Civilization, uh, UFOs Today, 70 Years of Lies and Disinformation, Sacred Corridors, Secrets Behind the Real Project Blue Book. And I'm not reading the whole subtitles. <laughs> wow. And she's going to be at, author. She's gonna be at oh. the move on uh, 50th anniversary uh Symposium, and she's one of the key speakers there. And, really? Uh, I, I wow, think, what an honor. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, you want to let uh, our audience, this is different. I've already interviewed her one time, and, but this is a different audience. We're going to reach a whole lot more uh, different people around the world. You want to tell everybody how you got involved in the UFO scene? Thank well, you. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, let's do a sound Can check. Dr. Me? Scott. Yes, Dr. Scott, this is Teresa J. Morris with the Allied Command Organization and the UFO Association Organization. Of all of us uh, people out here and don't pay dues anywhere lately on Facebook, but how are you tonight, <laughs> ma'am? Oh, just fine. I'm. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, I'm excited. I, I apologize I didn't get all this up, but we'll make sure everybody knows afterwards. It goes up in a lot of places, and so uh, I-10, Stitcher, Spreaker, FM Radio, uh, YouTube, all the normal places. So thank you for coming, and uh, I guess now we'll just let you speak for a while because uh, we're all excited to hear who you are. And I know you've been a, a friend, I think, in social media for a lot of people, including me, Tommy, and I'm mad, but uh, this is really the first I'm really getting to hear about you. So thank you so much for sharing your time with us. And uh, we'll just let you go ahead and tell us, how did you get into all this UFO business and being becoming an author and a speaker at the 50th anniversary? That's pretty big. I bet, guess you know Stan Friedman, too. So we'll just let you cover whatever you feel comfortable with. Well, um, my profession has always been in science. And I started out as a child wanting to be an astronomer. And so I went um, into, uh, I tried to get into astronomy. I majored in, in college. But I couldn't get a job because every place I applied to, they said, male only. And so 
that's how I got into the work that led to the DIA, the Defense Intelligence Agency. Um, they were mapping the moon and other bodies. And so I applied to be a cartographer since I couldn't be an astronomer. I um, was in that for several years and had a lot of training and got a lot of security clearances. And then I went to the Defense Intelligence Agency where I was working with satellite photography and that sort of thing. Later I got married and my husband lived in Nevada. He had actually worked in Area 51 a long time ago. And um, they didn't have an astronomy department there, so I majored in biology and later got a PhD in physiology. And um, that's been my occupation in several different positions since then. As a professor at St. Bonaventure University, and other positions like that at universities. Um, the reason I was in UFOs, though, was because a long time ago when my sister and I were kids, we had a UFO experience. We didn't understand at the time. It was years and years and years before we even figured out it was UFOs. And scientists are always supposed to say they don't have anything to do with UFOs and UFOs don't exist. Well, then my sister and I had a number of other experiences. And finally, I just came out of the closet and said, yeah, um, I've had UFO experiences. And that's what led me into joining UFO groups and writing books about UFOs. Well, now, now uh, you were, uh, if I remember right, you were like six or seven, right? The first time? Yeah. The first time, my sister was around four and I was around six. And what happened was we didn't understand. We'd never, never heard of UFOs or anything else. We were very poor kids on a farm sleeping in beds in an attic room. And um, we both woke up. I didn't know she was awake. And this thing was flying around in our bedroom. I watched it without having any idea what it was and wondering what earth this thing is. It looked like a piece of metal, and it was glowing around the outside. It looked like real hot metal. It was flying around our room. And even at that young age, we both recognized that it um, it wasn't like an inanimate object that would show guidance. It didn't bump into anything. There was furniture and walls and everything in the room, and it would fly around, but it would turn about a foot ahead of time if it was going toward a wall or going towards something. It um, came pretty close to us. I thought she was asleep, so I didn't say anything. And I just wondered what on earth is going on. And um, after it flew around the room a number of times, it sort of got close to us several times. What flew up to the ceiling on one end of the room. 
and it didn't hit the ceiling though it made a right angle turn it was an attic room and the wall slanted up toward the ceiling there was about three feet of space in between the two walls at the ceiling and it turned it made a right angle turn at the ceiling and then there was a chandelier that was turned off it was dark it was in the middle of the night it was probably around 11 or so and it was a nice night it was clear and everything it flew over the chandelier and without feeling its way around or anything it started circling the chandelier and it circled maybe 20 times or so it made a straight line to the chandelier before that it was sort of a browsing motion when it was in the room and then it made a spiral right just a real geometric spiral right down under the chandelier and at that time both of us suddenly became just too terrified to even imagine and we both started shrieking and ran out of the room and we were so terrified we bumped into each other and we fell down the stairs and got the stair door open and ran to our parents and they thought we were crazy and didn't believe us <laughs> so that's the story of how um we'd never heard of ufos and it was a number of years before we ever heard of ufos we had a radio and that was about it and just listened to particular stations um, so do you think it was a drone of some kind? I have no idea have, what it was, but, but later I had late work by hello hello were I didn't hear. Um, Can you hear me now? Yeah, I, somebody else was talking. Um, later, I read it. Many years later, I read a book by Jenny Randalls, and she talked about people that um, have childhood sightings, and then they have more sightings when they grow up. And we kind of followed that pattern. It, I think it's called her book was called Star Children, except that it usually just happens to one person, and in our case, it happened to both of us. We had a childhood sighting, and then we had a sighting when we together when we got older. And she wrote about our sightings in her book, so that we kind of fit into a pattern uh, that related to UFOs after years and years and years. <laughs> when I read her. Uh, her writings and found out about it. Oh, uh, DJ, you have any questions for? Well, or Tommy? Um, no, I'm I'm surprised with all that she has as uh, accomplishments that she's coming forward. Have you always spoken about your episodes with? Uh, Unidentified flying objects or UAPs or UFOs as a child to through MUFON as is it accepted that you were like an experiencer? I mean, I'm just amazed. No, we didn't talk about it for years, and I was I was in the field of science, so I didn't go around saying anything about seeing UFOs for many, many, many years, and eventually, I decided to start talking about it, but it was. We didn't talk about when we were kids, and our parents, we were, you know, living in the Midwest, Ohio, in the middle of Ohio, and people didn't talk about weird things like that when I was a kid, so we didn't say anything about it. 
when did you come forward? I, I mean, I'm just absolutely blown away with your credentials. And I know that uh, I think Janet Carolesson, my associate, our colleague uh, in radio for years under uh, the uh, Stargate to the Cosmos, our, uh, yeah, that her franchise with Tommy Hawksblood and myself here for marketing. Uh, I believe she, you've been on her show. Hey, uh, do you remember Janet Lesson with Aquarian Radio that you've been on her show? Uh-huh. Okay, okay. I thought so. That's so. Yeah, you're. I've, I've heard her mention of you and having you come on my show, but I don't think we ever got around to it. You know that round to it thing. <laughs> so a man okay. apparently had you on her show. So I wish I would have known your history and this happened to you. I think I would have been more open. I'm really surprised at how many people I have not made contact with dr scott i'm very happy another woman with your credentials and your history is on my show and that you're part of this movement this amazing uh exposure to disclosure movement we've started here in 2019 absolutely amazing uh, how do you want to get into sharing this because you've got a very interesting life story and I'd like to know how you came forward with it. You know, when did you come out with, okay, guys, I'm actually an experiencer as well. Uh, when, and who did you tell? Can you give us a little idea, or is this in a book we need to read? Well, my experience, my other two books are just about, just about UFOs. My own experience was in a book called Inside the Lightning Ball that I published last year. Um, it was Flying Disc, Flying Disc Press. All three of them were published by that publisher who's in England. And um, I had had, my sister and I both had other uh, experiences. And years afterwards, I began to talk about it. Should I talk about the other experiences? Yes, ma'am. I keep going on mute, but I'm, uh, I apologize. But yes, ma'am. That would be wonderful. Uh, I'm just amazed. Uh, it's like a kindred spirit, but at the same time, I was in the government <laughs> and worked, and I, I know the feeling of never talking about it to say you just don't. And I was always told if you went to anything or even mentioned it, you were fired. I I work for the government as well. But yes, ma'am, tell me anything that you're willing to share with our listening audience. Feel free. All your experiences would be great. Okay. Um, one of the next ones I had was also at our home in Ohio when we were kids. And I don't know exactly how old I was, but I was sleeping outside. We didn't have air conditioning. And I was sleeping outside on a rock. We had a big flat rock for a porch. And I woke up and looked north, and there was this object flying south in a straight line. And it made no noise at all. And I watched it fly. I was just terrified because I'd heard of flying saucers, and, and I was really terrified. And when it got right over me, suddenly all the dogs in the neighborhood began to bark. And our dog was locked up in the kitchen where it couldn't hear anything. And it just sounded like it was having tantrums. 
And then it just flew over. And I was terrified, but I was scared to say anything or even come inside because I was afraid if my, you know, if I said something about UFOs or something, my parents would tell me I was lying and beat me up. And so I didn't say anything. But I remember that. And then later, I was working for the Defense Intelligence Agency, and I had one of the highest clearances there was. I was in a section called Air Order of Battle, and what we did was use satellite photography. It was over a communist country, so it had a real high security clearance. The um, secret, com- the secured compartmentalized, um, um, sensitive compartmentalized information type clearance. It was under that category, and our our work was um, to identify all the aircraft and flying machines over a certain area of the earth. And I had a lot of training for doing that. And um, at that time, my sister was taking postgraduate work at Drew University. I was working in Washington, D.C. And we decided we were both on the east end of the country, and we decided to go up and see the New England states. And UFOs were the farthest thing from our minds. We just decided to take a vacation. And so I picked up two coworkers in Washington and drove to... Drew University, which is real close to New York, and took some pictures of them talking to my sister in front of her dorm and things. And then my sister and I drove up, and we were going to planning to stay all night in Boston, so we drove up to around Boston, the Outer Belt, and it was still daylight, so we decided to go up and see some of New Hampshire. So we followed um, the Outer Belt up, I think it's 95 now, and then took Route 3 and drove into New Hampshire and drove into New Hampshire for a ways. And eventually it was start getting dark. So we uh, came back and came back around the um, Outer Belt and took Route 9 and drove into the heart of Boston. At that time, we couldn't find any hotels. Everything was, was um, filled up with no vacancies, and so we decided to look around on the outer belt around Boston. As we were leaving Boston, we began to see this object. Uh, It was south of us. It looked like it was following Route 95, and there was an airport uh, to the southeast of us called the Norwood Memorial Airport, and we could see airplanes coming in from the east and turning on their landing lights and with their um, red and green wing lights and everything and landing. Or some of them were landing. I suppose some of them were just flying on by. But this thing we saw was a whole lot different from an airplane because it was just one white light, very white, with no other lights. And it was blinking, but not like a strobe light. It was a lot slower than a strobe light. And my sister kept saying, I wonder if that's a UFO. And I thought she had just flipped her lid. And um, 
so I told her it was a helicopter blinking its landing lights. I'd never seen anything like that, but I was a scientist, so I thought I should explain everything to her. And I had no idea what it was either, though. But I thought it was if it was a UFO, well, the newspapers would be out taking pictures of it and stuff, so I thought it must be something normal. And so we kept watching it, and she kept saying, this is something odd, and I kept saying it's a helicopter. We drove on down to, we got off the outer belt, we were on Route 95, and there was a woods to the west of us. And in the woods, we saw this um, thing that looked like a, sort of like a sphere or a basketball or something, except it was transparent. You could see right through it. It was maybe 50 feet from the car. It was in a woods. It had this light on the inside, and the light was going through a spectrum like red and blue, and all shades of red and blue. And it sort of had a, a small metal thing that was kind of rotating. And I couldn't imagine what it was. And as we drove by it, the inside of the car lit up in green. Um, and I looked around, and I thought, why is the inside of the car green? I couldn't figure out. I couldn't see any beam shining into the car or anything. And I just had no idea what the thing was or why the inside of the car lit up in green. Well, then we continued. And my sister kept saying, this is odd. Something's unusual. And I just kept arguing and arguing with her and saying it's a helicopter. And finally she started screaming at me to pull over because she said it was going to come over the road. And so I decided to do it because she was screaming at me, although I still thought she was nuts, and pulled off the road. And then I pointed my hand out the window, and I was going to point to it when I saw it and say, see, ding, bad, it's a helicopter. And then I saw a, um, a shooting star way off in the distance, and right where the shooting star was, this thing came over the road. It came over the trees by the road. And at that point, I realized that my sister was right and I was wrong. But I didn't apologize. And she said at that time that she said it shone a light into the car. And I didn't see that, but I was on the side toward the window. And if the inside of the car lit up, she would have seen it because she was in on the other side. But anyway what it was, it um, had seven big squares in a row that looked like windows. And we'd seen a whole lot of lamps because we had a freeway through our farm where we grew up and it was a blimp route. And we'd seen all kinds of blimps and we'd see blimps with um, lit lighted sides and things like that. And this wasn't anything like a blimp. For one thing, it was soundless. And it didn't have the lighting arrangement or the anything like a blimp. And we couldn't. And then she said that all that what attracted her attention was that it would just disappear from one place and appear someplace else. And I hadn't noticed that because I was just arguing with her and driving. But anyway, it was blinking um, these squares in a pattern, where the first three lights would blink off and on and off and on. And then all seven lights would blink off and on. And then the last four lights would blink off and on. 
and we discussed whether the squares were panels, and we both thought they were windows. And like I'd say, we'd seen lighted blinks with lighted sides before, and we thought we were seeing inside it. And the wind, what looked like windows were real clear, but there was nothing inside of it. It looked like the uh, walls were glowing. It was a real white light. Um, and I had a, um, a Polaroid camera with high-speed film. I had the camera in the car and the film in the trunk. And so well, it went over real slowly. And I was able to get the camera out of the car and get the film out of the trunk. And I was loading the film in. And with the Polaroid, it's just a mechanical thing. It's not digital like uh, pictures are now. I finally got the film in and I was, I thought, oh, I'm going to get, you know, an amazing picture of the inside of the UFO. And I didn't realize this wouldn't prove that UFOs exist or anything, but it was still an amazing picture. But a truck driver pulled over in front of us. And I thought, well, we're going to have another, um, another witness. And the truck driver came over and I didn't take a picture because I was, he was a man and I was sort of scared of him. And so he asked what we were doing. And that's sort of a funny question because this thing was there where you could see it. And we pointed at it and it was sort of like the Northwest. And he just rotated around, looked, pointed his head in exactly the opposite direction and looked at the same altitude and said, I don't see anything. And then he turned around and faced me again. And, you know, at this point, I thought something's wrong. And then he asked again, what are you doing? And we didn't say UFO or anything like that. We just acted like it was an airplane and pointed again. And he did the same thing. He rotated around, pointed his head in exactly the opposite direction from where it was and looked up and said, I don't see anything. Then he rotated around, looked at me again. He was standing right beside me and pointed to his head like the crazy um, sign. (laughs) And, um, you know, I was pretty worried. And then he went back to his truck and he just sat there in his trunk watching us through his rear view mirror. And at that time, um, I didn't notice it, but when I read my sister's report, she said that right after it crossed the road that it got into a different place just all of a sudden. And I was trying to take the picture and everything, I, talking to the truck driver, and I didn't notice that. But by the time I finished talking to him, it was a long ways away. And it was just all the, it was so far away, you couldn't see the separate windows. It was um, just one blinking light, which is what we'd seen before. Also, when it was close, it had a very small green light on one end and red light on the other that weren't blinking and were just so small you could just see it when it was real close and you couldn't see it again um and so anyway i still had this high speed film in my camera and i wanted to get a picture but i was afraid i'd get freeway lights or um lens flares or something in my picture because i knew i was going to have to take a time exposure and so there was a hill by the freeway and i ran up the hill And there was a bald spot on top so I could take pictures. And 
so I very, very carefully took pictures with a Polaroid and held them in order and came back down to the car and pulled them off. And one of them had turned out. At that time, the object went, had flown over the airport and it was circling the airport. And it was um, sort of a pattern circle where it would, it going from north to south in half a circle, just be so fast you couldn't see it. And then it blinked twice on the way back in another semicircle, and then it'd be north and it'd be so fast it'd be south. And it just kept circling like that. And um, I was, we both wondered what on earth this thing is. And I didn't know what direction it was going to go. And so my car was pointing south, and I decided I would turn around and go the other way on a freeway interchange. So I drove into the freeway. The truck driver just immediately drove in right behind me, turned his bright lights on, showed him in my mirror so that I was blind, and followed right behind me on the bumper. And I slowed up and speeded, you know, speeded up and slowed down and changed lanes. And he just stayed on my bumper. And I thought he was going to kill us. And I didn't know how to get rid of him. So what I decided to do was to, I was going about 80 miles an hour with the accelerator on the floor. And he was keeping right up with me. And so I decided I would swerve off from the left-hand lane. Uh, real suddenly when he wouldn't suspect. And that was real dangerous because if somebody was coming on the right-hand lane, we would have been in big trouble, like dead. But anyway, I did it, and we survived. And so we turned around at the intersection some ways down the freeway after going through past several intersections and came back, and the thing was still circling the airport. Well, um, then it started going northwest, and so I started following it again, um, and I followed up Route 95, and when I got to that, I saw the the ball of the sphere of light again that was changing colors and everything, and the inside of the car lit up in green again, and so then I followed it around the outer belt a little ways and took another road that went west, and finally we were on this really bad road where there were houses a long ways away and bumps and everything, and I was still trying to follow it. Um, and finally I couldn't follow it because it was just a little bit faster than I could drive. So I turned around, and we still couldn't find any hotels, and so we had to go back to uh, Drew. And we got back about six o'clock and then um, eight and slapping eight and call her parents and told her roommates who didn't believe us and things. And then I waited for the people I'd picked up and finally late at night, like six or so, I left. I think it was, um, I wanted to leave earlier, but I was waiting for him and I never heard from him. So I drove back to Washington, D.C. And after that, I had a poltergeist experience in Washington, D.C., where that night 
um, I was going to bed and I heard, I kept hearing somebody walking in my room. I'd never heard of poltergeist and I thought I was going insane. So then I was terrified, but I went to sleep and my alarm went off and I thought it was morning and got up and I realized it was dark and it was 1.30. And then I was terrified. I went back to sleep again. And the alarm went off at 2.30, 3.30, 4.30, and 5.30. And I went back to sleep each time. And it was funny because my alarm clock had the nub broke off where you turn it. And I would normally turn it if I wanted to accurately set it with pliers. And so I thought it was insane. And I was worried about my security clearance and my job and everything. And I thought, I'm going to um, get fired if I'm insane. I've got to you know, skies, my insanity and everything. And I was just sitting there and suddenly my toothbrush flew across the room. And then um, all the poltergeist things stopped and I went to work and things were normal. And I, that night I took notes on everything, but <laughs> that's the story. Well, you sound oh, like you've been through the X-Files. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Well, uh, Mad, you want to say anything? And uh, I mean, we can, we can keep going, obviously. Well, but Tommy, uh, Tommy hadn't said anything yet, so maybe he has well, something to say. Yeah, I wanted to make sure we okay. let her. Tommy, your turn. Want to talk yeah, to I'm Dr. here. Scott? Let's let's get into yeah, this. Yeah, I just want to say, uh, for me, I, I was involved with UFOs since I was six, but I was also involved with spirits and ghosts and all that stuff by the time I was twelve. So for me, wow. a lot of experiences, when you talk about guys and things like that, I was dealing with that on a on a regular basis. And I started doing uh, ghost busting, which I called it, uh, ghost release at that time. When I was 16, uh, there was a lot of haunted wow. mansions. But, you know, in the interim, because I also dealt with aliens coming to my house as well. So there's a fine line. I mean, a lot of people say, all aliens are demons in the, in the Christian religion. But uh, when you said that, it, it brought a lot of things to me because I got involved with the Montauk Project and I saw a creature that I was chasing and it was called the uh, Hershey Monkey because it was a white creature and it was running and I was chasing it through Wanaku uh, and it jumped into a tree. I mean, it went into the tree, a solid tree. Uh so, you know, it's hard to classify creatures, aliens, and, and everything else when they're affecting you, especially when you come in your house. Uh, but I was dealing with poltergeist, and my mother was teaching me all about that because things were moving around all the time. Things just kept going flying and stuff like that. So, you know, aliens do the same thing, uh, but at different levels. So I'm just amazed how much you were going through in all your life. I mean, my life has been crazy with all that kind of stuff as well. But... What it, could you say you got something important to, for yourself out of all the experiences you're going through? Tommy, uh, they fell off. So that's a good question, they fell Tommy, off? because each of us, yeah, each of us has a life to lead and a story to tell. And each individual, a part of disclosure is us. 
comparing our stories and seeing how we can connect the dots. Our, uh, there's a larger story to be told by humanity, by all the Terrans, those of us on Terra, or Gaia, or Earth, or planet, the planet we all share here. I'm waiting for them to get back on, and you know, Mads have been having a lot, lot of trouble since they've gone to 5G in his area, right? He lives in Georgia, and she's right, right. tapping through. That's why I couldn't see anybody, because she's coming through. It was uh, She's his guest tonight, and uh, I know we've had plenty of opportunity to get in touch with her. And I've heard her name. I'm pretty sure Janet has interviewed a lot of people that I haven't, but uh, that's okay. I'm going to book my own shows now, and we'll have more people joining us and putting the stories together. And for whatever reason, after seven years, I've been surprised there's a lot of people that know you too, Tommy, that have been on Janet's show or have known you personally. And I'm really impressed now that I'm starting to be aware of uh, all the things that are out there. I'm just having to deal with the fact that, you know, there's so many people involved in this reality, this level of existence. And uh, well, it's a problem. I don't know why they're not you and me. It, What? The problem for you and me, when we were young, nobody wanted to hear a thing about it. It's true. I mean, luckily it broke open. I guess I would say in the 70s, 75, around there, it became more open, uh, a lot more open. And But see, you know, a really bad year in the UFO world was 96, 1996. Uh, don't ask me why, but that's when Sergio and I... Well... Folks, I'm not sure what's going on tonight, but we're definitely excited about Dr. Irina Scott and Thomas Becker, and Tom's not getting back on, and I've refreshed my computer, so I guess what we'll do is see if we can't get Dr. Irina Scott and Thomas Becker. Maybe she can call in. Uh, The guest call in is 347-945-7207. And Tommy fell off, too, and it's been a very interesting night. Uh, We'll be back Sunday, and uh, I'll ask Thomas Becker and Dr. Irina Scott if we can uh, get them. Now, he does Sunday mornings, just so you know, on Revolution.Radio for quite a long period of time, uh, roughly four hours. So what I will do is in this show – and uh, have Dr. Irina Scott back and find out what happened to uh, Ralph Kennedy Johnston Sr., our fleet commander for all of our groups. And uh, I've seen him on Facebook and talked to him about the time. He was asking me about certain questions, so I answered those. But we've been having trouble, uh, just so you know, maybe it's just here in the South, uh, but Janet and Tommy have always seemed like they've had trouble out in Hawaii communicating and we're all using uh, equipment. This is coming through Washington State but uh, uh, Matt is our station manager and he's not even showing back up on Skype at all. Let me see. I'm going to try messaging him and say what happened. Hello. Uh, 
I'm going to say Mad Painter, Mad Painter on uh, Skype. Did you fall off? So he will at least see this. Okay, we will uh, end show and ask Dr. Scott. Ask Dr. Scott to return. And just please remember, she's going to be speaking at the, a very memorial type of situation coming up. Uh, it's the 50th anniversary of the MUFON Symposium in California. So it's, please look up Mutual UFO Network. And uh, I've never seen a mad completely fall off, but he did give permission to Tommy to speak. And... Uh, he was in the middle of a question when he fell off, so I don't exactly know what's going on. I've refreshed my screen to make sure it's not me. I don't even know if anybody can still hear me. It's like talking to dead air. So um, I just just communication problems. We haven't had this type for seven years, so uh, we will adjourn and uh, come back on. Maybe tomorrow, if we can get in touch with the Mad, so Mad Painter, Ken R. Johnston, and Tommy Hawksblood, and Teresa J. Morris. So I'm going to have a short night tonight, so uh, we will uh, do this again Sunday for sure, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, we're supposed to have an early show Thursday, Sunday, Brett Luter's coming on, and then he's coming on Janet Lesson, so... We're learning that we can have uh, each – we're each paying for two hours a day, every day, Janet and I are, and uh, we're going to do our best to get more people involved in our organization. We have an umbrella organization as ACO, and I've refreshed twice, and I still don't see anybody, so uh, apologize to everybody. So please be patient, and uh, we'll work all these technical difficulties out. And uh, give you guys a chance to get uh, recalibrated here with Dr. Irina Scott. So we apologize to her and Thomas Becker, but they are not here and neither is Tommy. So uh, I guess we will uh, end this show. And uh, it's been nice. I'm excited about having Dr. Irina Scott with us and hearing her stories as a contactee or experiencer. And uh, we will – oh, wait. Here, here they come. All right. That's interesting. Uh, I think well, he's uh, found his way she'll back. Call, she's calling straight. Oh, she's, okay. she's calling you in I've got a bad Hello? connection. My internet keeps cutting out. So There she is. Is this Dr. Scott? Yeah. Yeah. I can okay. hear you. Okay, well. Okay. Oh, I stayed long <laughs> enough. Everybody got back on. Oh, I thought it wonderful, Dr. Scott. You've got such an interesting story and would like to do more marketing public relations with you on behalf of the United States of America and the world and all of our allied command up there, which uh, I tend to work with ET or beings that have come and gone, whether it was in government and me in uniform or out of uniform. But I, I just am uh, delighted to make contact with you. And uh, I have a thousand and one questions already. I guess Tommy will show up sooner or later again, maybe, but uh, Ken hasn't, I hadn't heard from Ken, and it could be partly my fault, because I did call and leave the phone number again, but uh, I was counting on him to find his way here, 
So Ken Johnston, if you know us, we're you know wait to hear from you for Friday nights. He knows the date and time, like all of us. Well, Dr. Irina Scott, where are you located now, and what do you do now? Because I really want to get into how this got you into the uh, MUFON movement, being a board of director and all of that. So I'd like to hear that story, you know, because you've, you're sort of like me. We've both been in the military or the government, so we know what that's like. We were both contactees as a child or at least a sighting person, you know, from the time we were children. And uh, mm-hmm. we have a lot in common, and I, there may be a reason for that. And now we're both here, thanks to Mad, talking to each other. So uh, yeah. I find this a very curious as to why this is happening to us, and especially since we're coming together now, and I'm sure it's to bring us all together. We're calling it the ACO, and uh, we uh, – I filed that with the government many years ago, and I have the UFO Association, but I haven't done anything with it other than tell people for years in free social media and Facebook that sooner or later I'd get everybody together. So it's taking me till 2019, I guess, until you showed up as another woman. So if you don't mind, how did you get into this MUFON organization? I was in, in it in 2008, but how did you get into it from 93 to 2000 or before? Can you give us your story? Well, uh, it, it's sort of a long story. I don't know if I should go into the whole story or not. It involved another sighting. Um, I, the sighting I was talking about happened in 1968. And I went through a lot uh, of life after that and didn't pay attention to UFOs. I got married and... Um, moved to Nevada, and then we moved to New York, and I was a professor, and then we moved back to Ohio, where our farm was, and I was just living a normal life uh, as in research and writing papers and things like that, um, working at Ohio State University, and one day, I just became terrified of UFOs. <laughs> I was too scared to go out of the house almost. And I couldn't imagine why, because it wasn't something I even thought about or paid attention to. And then I had a sighting at Ohio State University. Um, it was it, it, actually, I'd, um, due to being terrified, I'd written to Dr. Heinick's Center for UFO Studies, and they were going to send us forms to fill out and describe our other sightings and and, um, so just the day the forms came out I was at work at Ohio State University and decided to start filling it out and I walked down the hall and I saw this funny thing out the window It, it was actually our building was under the guide slope or landing uh, slope of the Columbus Port Columbus Airport, which it was called then, and an airplane went under it. And I asked somebody that was there, "Do you see that? What is it?" And we had no idea what it was. And so we went to the office, uh, the department office, and there were other people in the office. And we opened the window, and everybody looked, and nobody had any idea what it was. 
and it took about 20 minutes. It was in sight, and professors and students and everything else saw it. And um, I called a person that worked at Battelle Memorial Institute that I knew knew something about UFOs and told and told him about it. He called the airport and asked if they saw it, and they didn't. But we all of us saw it, and I got um, written reports from people, including professors, um, and um, asked them to write it up and told them I'd be confidential. And so I had reports from five people that were really well qualified with PhDs and professors and things who described it and wrote it up and drew pictures of it. And later I found out it was going against the wind, and so it was powered. It wasn't just something flying by. And after that, um, several years after that, I found out about local organizations and joined a local UFO organization. And then later I joined MUFON uh, in the 1990s, and that's how I got into that. Okay, well, what was it like? We have such a interesting tale about uh, the directors of MUFON out in the field from various people. Like uh, they, we, when I heard, by the time what I heard uh, in 2008 wasn't real inviting, to, I, and not to be misconstruing what I heard, but. I just really uh, don't want to repeat a lot of things about the directors of MUFON. Apparently, when uh, I got in, there was a lot of controversy. I'm sure it's it's over with by now, or maybe it's just trying to run a world organization. It takes a lot of uh, scrutiny to figure out who is, you know, what's nuts and what's bolts and what's real and what's not, and then people and and uh, I. I've ran profits and nonprofit corporations, and it's hard to get everybody to work together. But what was it like? You were literally a board of director for MUFON? I was the director of publications for, I think, seven or eight years um, in the 1990s. Um, I think 1989 to 19 – I mean, I think 1993 to – 2000 or 2001 or something and then they reorganized and I sort of dropped out of UFOs and became dormant for about 15 more years after that because I was just busy. I had a family and two or three jobs and different things and just didn't pay attention to UFOs and I sort of came back a couple, several years ago and wrote some books. Who are some of the people? I'm sure you remember Stanton T. Friedman because he was a regular journalist, as was George Filer. Do you remember Stan and can tell us any history you have with him or George Filer in publications for historical um, purposes? Who was the head of MUFON at that time was Walt Andrus. Um, and I met him a number of times. And the person that I... Uh, first of all, had told about our UFO experiences was Bud Hopkins. I don't think he's a member of MUFON, but he um, 
investigated abductions, and he um, tried to hypnotize me, and I don't hypnotize at all. And he also interviewed my sister and her family, and he thought maybe I'd been abducted, but I didn't go into hypnosis or anything, so that didn't count, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I was sort of dormant from 2000. I mean, I I stayed on as an investigator, but I wasn't doing much for about the next 15 years during the 2000s. Well, do you remember those names? Do you remember Stanton T. Freeman? Oh, yeah. Surely you've met him. Oh, yeah. Um, the main thing I remember about him is um, all these redacted things. <laughs> I remember asking him questions, and then he'd show me these papers that were all black. Everything was marked out. And I guess that's the most <laughs> what I remember about him the most. Um <laughs> That's funny, but you can under, I can understand being prior military and government personnel. I was personnel and in information security at the last position I had before I left the command post, so to speak, or working for him. Uh, and my background is in law enforcement. So uh, let me see. What does uh, what do you mean a mad a quoted message? Do you have uh, anything you could share with us? That was, that... Go ahead. Well, it was, just you. it was just to you. Tommy's tried to get back on, and it, and you haven't noticed him or something. That was his oh. message to me. Oh, he's just now showing 20 seconds. Okay. Let me – all right, I want to get the answer. Tommy, it just shows you came on. It said 20 seconds, whole time. I told him so, I told him the problem I told him the problems we were having with mine. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, TJ, and he just now showed up. Yes, Tommy, you just showed up. Said 20 you know, seconds. When you told. were talking before you closed uh-huh. the show, I yeah. called in on two lines, and they were both on Blog Talk Radio, and you didn't see either one of them. Well, I'm looking at the board just so you know. Well, but no, just well, I'm telling you, up. I was – I just called okay. back in, but I called your phone number six times, and it said – uh, ever not not available. The lines aren't working. Your regular phone. Well, that's because I'm on the. Uh, that's the one I called in on. But uh, I did. The reason is is uh, I didn't want to use the direct line. Not that I should have to explain to anybody. But we have been having trouble lately. I think there's more. We have more people wanting to use the lines, like the old party lines. <laughs> I'm not sure why, but yeah, we had trouble. But uh, anyway, all right, Tommy. Well, you're on. And so is the Mad. Everybody's back now. But Dr. Scott is with us, folks. Dr. Irina Scott, and she has a brilliant background, uh, and she's been working for the Defense Intelligence Agency, and has a PhD level, a GS11 research in satellite photography, in the Air Order of Battle section. So she would be of all people most qualified uh, to work at uh, the uh, level with uh, UFOs as far as looking at them, working at the Aerospace Center and looking at satellite photography. So, I mean, Dr. Arena Scott, I've never seen anybody's credentials that look so more appropriate to have being a, a bona fide background as me as an investigator well, listening to you, and I know how funny it sounds to tell your story because I always feel like I'm crazy 
talking about my own personal story that I know is just as true as me living here in a 3D form. But I've learned to share my out-of-body near-death as part of my story, and I've had many sightings such as yourself. Now, I don't remember a green light. I've had gold light show up, but uh, there's so many questions I have in my mind. I'm sure Ahmed does and Tommy does, but, you know, each time somebody gets to talk to you, it may inspire you to remember different things. You said you couldn't be hypnotized, but Tommy worked with Bud Hopkins or knew of Bud Hopkins, and you did too. He's been a, a researcher for many, many years and a photographer as well. And so you guys have a lot in common. So I hope that you will somehow find a way to con stay in contact with the Mad Me and Tommy and what we're building. We have the UFO Association, but we're going to have a who's who. And I'd like you to be one of those people, if you don't mind. And our uh, we're going to build people with their photo and their bio, and uh, build a who's who directory. And uh, it it costs for the servers and the money and all that, but I've been paying for it for myself out of two different companies for many years and now it's uh, gone up amazing it's amazing how much money it takes now to save libraries and janet and i both have archives of things and people but we're uh, spending a lot of money we don't have so we're going to try to form a group and at least have our own server someday but we're sharing uh, servers and uh, we have more people coming in to offer more of an organization but tell me uh MUFON, like you said, you got busy, and so people – MUFON is like a hobby to most people. It's not a paid position. It's a voluntary – it's called MUFON because M-U-F-O-N is, is actually the acronym for Mutual UFO Network. Now, and you also mentioned uh, C. Seti. You, you, did you meet J. Allen Hynek by chance? Yeah, Um I don't I don't know him very well, but I'd met him and talked to him, and I had a, in my last book I had a lot of his um, handwritten personal letters, which were real interested in my book Sacred Corridors. Um, I I knew a friend of his, a real good friend, and she allowed me to use her private letters to back and forth uh, from Dr. Heinick. And to publish him, and I thought this was really nice because his most of his writing is real formal and scientific and everything, and these were personal letters in handwriting, and they really showed what he was like, and I thought that was really something to be able to put that in a book. Yeah, you sound more like a sociologist or a uh, historian, you sound more like me. I'm more interested in the people and their personality and how they wound up as uh, in the UFO business, I guess one might say. I'm not sure what we are really called because we have alienologists and ufologists <laughs> and historians, researchers, but we all are sort of funny about how we refer to each other. It's gotten to be very internal, like we've got uh, to do some infrastructure even in MUFON, <laughs> that's uh, and since I'm, I was thinking about paying my dues again. I've paid them here and there, just monthly. You know, when I wanted to go in and research something, their monthly fee. But uh, I'm not sure how to go about this. But I, I feel like that it's important for us to know who who was who, 
and why we met them and what year we met them, why we crossed paths. Because I met Jay Allen Hynek in space uh, on an airplane or a, a jet. Wow. And, uh, I, yeah, I find that very interesting that he he took a liking to me. And I feel like it was directed by the ETs because I was not public at all and had not planned on going public. But after I met him, I wound up going to travel the world and uh, see things that I hadn't seen. And I had seen – I had grown up with ET, an ET family, had been taken as a child at four and then – my uncles worked at White Sands, so I willed myself over to meet them. But I didn't know I had an uncle working at White Sands in Los Alamos. But I felt like these were ET-guided meetings. And uh, Jay Allen Honey passed me on a jet, and I was sitting mid-level. Uh, it was before I learned how I could – I guess I, was, I, I still must have been relatively young into flying because I hadn't learned you could get a – Order your seat in advance, things like that, which he actually taught me. So uh, to order one in the aisle where you come in and how I could, you know, ask for aisle or air because I found that very interesting that I didn't know that. So I must have still been a young investigator. But he – now this is the story that the way I remember it is that he walked by me, and I was reading uh, Ruth Montgomery, and I thought relatively secretly because I was sort of embarrassed. Because uh, it was still hush hush back then, but I was reading Aliens Among Us. Do you remember mm-hmm. a book by Ruth Montgomery? And so I remember he walked to the front. And I don't know if this was put on or if it was he was meant to be there or meet me or. And I would like to have your data since you've been around this stuff. But uh, anyway, he saw me reading that book, and I was really shocked because he said, "Excuse me, Miss." And uh, I had come by earlier, and I saw you reading that book. Uh, do you believe in that? I, I thought he was sort of a forward man. You just you don't <laughs> talk to people on airplanes like that. And uh, I mean, I never had people talk to me like that. Even if you sit next to somebody, but can you imagine some man strolling along? I mean, apparently the seatbelt signs were off, right? But uh, I guess we'd been in flight for a while. I don't even know where I was going. I can't recall because I, I did get where I was flying a lot. Around the world, and you know, in country and out of country. But I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "Well, the name of that book." I went, "Oh!" <laughs> I went, "Oh, you mean?" I said, "Oh, yeah, I get it." Uh, he said, "Do you mind uh, if we could talk for a moment?" And somebody was looking at us, or like he was trying to pick me up. I was, you know, pretty single-looking, I guess, and a young woman. So. I thought he was an older man, but I'm 67 now, and I think he died in '85 or '6, didn't he? And I don't yeah. even know how old. I don't even know his age. I'll have to look it up. But I'm just going from memory. But uh, he he asked me to come back to the back, and he said, "I'm sitting on the back. If you don't mind, there's some seats back there. Would you come back and talk to me for a moment?" And I was like, "Well, I really I tried to discourage him. I was like, well, not I really." I'm really comfortable where I'm at, but he said, well, I, I think you'd, you'd find that uh, I did this type of research, and I'm very interested in what you're reading, and I was like, oh, and I thought for a minute, but he wasn't going away, so I thought, well, all right, so he went back, and I followed him, and there was a seat. It was next to the bathroom, so first of all, 
he he couldn't lean back. It was on the bulkhead, and I, I asked him a question about that. He said uh, he gave that up for the sake of flying because it was the safest place in the in the airplane or the way that it was built. So I thought that was interesting. I always and you know I remember. Isn't that funny what how you remember somebody? But that's what I remember most about him. Like you said, uh, Stanton Friedman in Redacted. You know, it takes a minute to understand <laughs> how we remember people. But uh, uh-huh. he was, I guess he was scared of flying. I don't know. But he re- explained to me, I'd never heard that. But he did ask me questions, and I don't remember all the questions he asked me. But he said, uh, if he mind, I gave him my uh, information. We exchanged information. And he asked me if I came, you know, to Illinois very often and things like that. And uh, he, it seems like we stayed in touch, but I can't remember. I've lost a lot of that data. But uh, I, I just think that it's important that you and I both met him and we're talking today. And I'm looking for those synchronicities in the extraterrestrial world because of my experience TJ. with people. Yes. TJ? Uh, just yeah. so you know, uh, uh, Bruce just texted me. He's sending me part of his book to read, but he, the first chapter, he's talking about Hynek. He was friends with Hynek. Uh, Saw so Joel 18 was friends with Hynek. I didn't get friends. Oh, wow. I didn't become friends with them. Uh, but they're, they're all connected. They're all talking about the same things. Uh, oh, my. So it's like you're saying, everybody's connected to him. I think that's kind of a coincidence in some way, a good one if you consider it. Uh, yeah, because like when we were lecturing around the United States, we met everybody in the UFO world for about three years, wow. and he was one of the top speakers then. I mean, Bob Dean was talking then. I mean, all the cool people were, uh, but the ones that I became friends with were all kind of left the planet. So I, I'm kind of like a little bit hesitant to who I want to make friends with in the UFO world. Well, yeah, I get well, back this to you. Curious. Dr. Scott, have you got any data or input with your years in MUFON that you could – is this something we should investigate? Is our meeting and talking? Um, well, Dr. Heineck invited me out to his home in Arizona, and I treasure the letter, but I didn't – I couldn't go. <laughs> and then he died not too long after that, so I didn't um, get to talk to him in depth like I wanted to. All right, so he was in Arizona, but he I, I seem to remember the the state of Illinois. I, I, I guess that was that where his office yeah. was. Yeah, I mean, oh, do you know what time. year he died? Do you know what year he oh, died? It was nineteen eighty, maybe eighty six or eighty seven. I'm not sure. All right, we'll have to look it up. Know. Yeah, look at ninety six was a bad. Well, ninety six was a bad year for the UFO world. Huh? A, lo- uh, a lot of people died uh, in that year and disappeared in the UFO world, 200 at least. Oh. Huh. Well, but uh, that's Dr. when uh, Phil Snyder died. That's when John Ford got arrested. Uh, two of my friends were put in jail. I mean, it was a bad year every, every which way. We just finished doing right. Strange Universe, and they took it off the air the week after. Oh. Oh, they were still trying to keep it uh, secret at that time. They still thought they had a control, but it just got to be so much, so many people 
been so much invested that it had to come out. So Tommy, to answer your question, he died April 27th, 1986 in Scottsdale, Arizona, but he was born May 1st, 1910 in Chicago, Illinois. And folks, the reason this name is up is Dr. J. Allen Hynek was an American astronomer. His name was Joseph Allen Hynek. He was an American astronomer, professor, and ufologist. He is perhaps best remembered for his UFO research, and he acted as a scientific advisor to UFO studies undertaken by the U.S. Air Force under three consecutive projects, Project Sign, Project Grudge, and Project Blue Book. But it's not mentioned here, but he was also in uh, a program, the Center for the UFO Studies, if I remember correctly. He was the founder. And, uh, okay, down on here on IMDb, it says he was the professor of astronomy at Northwestern University in Evanston, Illinois. And it seems like when I met him that uh, it says he was the founder and first coined the phrase close encounters of the third kind as a way to categorize direct contact with aliens. So he interviewed me personally for quite a long time. We spoke, but he was very curious and interested in my personal story, which I explained to him. I was an investigator. In the beginning, I was very hesitant to speak with him about my own story and things working. And uh, somehow he was able to get me to share more about why. And he was very curious in my out-of-body experiences and how I saw, uh, in other words, how I created a philosophy of -of out-of-body near-death experience with my UFO family, my ET family, which I didn't tell him that the way I can openly talk about it now. I was very sketchy with him. Dr. Scott. So did you, uh, how did he approach you? Did he get your data or just send you a form? How did he handle your, your case? Oh, I had, when I was a kid, I lived uh, north of Columbus, Ohio, and he worked at Ohio State at that time. He was an astronomer, and he used to write a, a column in the paper. And when I was a kid, I was fascinated by astronomy, and I was I didn't know he had anything to do with UFOs, and I just would go around and quote always uh, <laughs> astronomy columns, and he was sort of my hero for my whole life because um, of starting then. But I didn't talk to him much. I talked to him on the phone, and like I said, I didn't get the opportunity to go meet him, even though he invited me. Um, oh, so, but I my letters. But he was your hero, so you knew all about him. Yeah, I knew all about him, but I didn't meet him that much. And um, I joined the UFO as an, uh, the UFO group as an investigator about the same time he died, so I didn't get to really meet him. Oh, I understand. But, okay, but so we can also be... Uh, connected through the UFO business and know certain people that I would put in who's who, of course, and those that have deceased are passed on to the other side. So I will have to write that up uh, universally and make sure that we don't forget the old timers, you know, such as Donald Kehoe or uh, Stanton Friedman or Edward Ruppelt 
and I understood. Uh, now, do do you remember anything about Stanton other than the redactions? Because he was one of my heroes, and I always, all my life for over twenty years, I was going to go meet him, and we talked a lot on the phone from uh, Roswell, New Mexico, to Canada. And I remember uh, <laughs> after I got out of the government, and uh, well, a certain level, meaning military uniform or GS position. Uh, consultant or contractor, but uh, he was interested in uh, how uh, I had been involved with UFOs, but I wouldn't let him use my story because it involved MJ-12, and he was going public with that story, and I had a copy of the handbook. Uh, <laughs> so do you, can you tell me anything about your intimate uh, knowledge of, of uh, Stan Friedman besides the redaction? No, I was on the board of directors with him and just, you know, regularly talked to him at meetings and things, but I don't remember anything. Um, I mean, I was real impressed with him and everything and looked up to him, but I don't remember a lot about him or um, maybe if I went through my mind more, I'd remember some incidents, but I don't right now. Did he ever interest at all, or was interested in your personal story as an as an experiencer, or no? I wasn't coming out too much at the time I knew. Okay, him. I understand, and that's the way he was, folks. He was, uh, uh, from what I can understand, in the meetings through the years I had with him. If he, if you didn't want to be out, he did not. Put your name out there. I have to admit, this man could keep a secret because he had ample opportunities to drop my name, being that we were even going to write a book together. And he was uh, telling me about Kathy Martin at the time. And then later on, I talked to her uh, personally, and I really liked her and uh, talked to her about doing uh, future what I'm doing now back in the day. And uh, she referred me to Peter Robbins as well. To help with uh, put on future events, and uh, one of those get around to it things we just didn't get to. So, have you met Kathy Martin? May I ask? Yeah, she really. I really have a real super high opinion of her, and she helped me with a whole lot with um, one of my books. Um, she seemed like that. Personal... Yeah, go ahead, please share what you know about Kathy. Well, she's real helpful and friendly and very nice to people and just the nicest person you could ever know, and her research is really good. Um, I was kind of interested in the um, Betty and Barney Hill encounter what because... I must be mad. Yeah, I was mad. <laughs> I was hearing something that was a mad, I guess, cleaning something. Was that you, Ahmed, cleaning your equipment? I thought it was Tommy. No, I'm on mute. I must have been Tommy. Tommy, were you cleaning your equipment? No, I'm I'm on. No, I'm on mute too, and I'm just sitting right here. Well, that was strange. Did anybody hear somebody spraying something? Oh, it was like. <laughs> yeah, they were spraying something. That wasn't you, Doctor Scott, was it? No. That's very strange. I, I don't know. I've heard, well, I heard 
uh, spray, spray, and then it sat, reminded me of a sprayer at a car wash, but it sounded like somebody was cleaning their equipment. So, Ahmed, I don't think we can approve this, but somebody monitors either through Blog Talk Radio or Skype, but I've heard women talk, and I've played back my shows and uh, known who I had on mute and what should come there and heard people talk, and it sounded like it was from inside the uh, equipment. In other words, uh, I, I know this sounds funny, folks, and that's okay, but I guess it's supposed to be talked about tonight. But Dr. Arena Scott, I just find it ob- obvious that we, and you know working with DIA, that people listen and people can be involved, and we have no clue who they are behind the scenes, right? And every once in a while, they'll make a little mistake, and that was just now one of them. Tuesday. Can I I just throw something in? Uh, Sure. You know, I I work with the medicine woman, right? And she's in California, and I'm here. Two times directly, we would – what's that noise? Two times we were talking. I have no idea. And we we actually had alien conversations talking to us. I recorded one of them even, uh, and they were like, "I know, don't I? I know." And then we heard certain words repeated. It was sound like it was kind of in English. We found out it was in Spanish, and it was about uh, a certain alien race. Uh, but they said the third time when they they were talking on her phone, she translated it. But. Uh, you know, you get interference from a lot of different levels when, you, when you're working at a lot of different levels. I mean, I'm just saying anything could be tapping into your line, your show right now. I wouldn't blame yeah. everything on the government. Yeah. <laughs> they get credit for a lot of things, don't they? Are we, are we, are the, we the people, like <laughs> we the church, we the government, we, we the taxpayers, <laughs> we the communication officers on the planet. That's right, but Dr. Scott, if you've had dealings with UFOs, Kathy Martin, Stan Friedman, J. Allen Hynek, you're definitely one of us. Uh, we are one of you, so to speak. And I understand being in, caught up in the three, what I call the 3D world or inside the matrix with your own you know, 3D-dimensional uh, physical reality, You know, whether it's emotional, mental, physical, or spiritual. It, it all comes together. I've had... I almost couldn't get the show on today because I had some family emergency. Uh, I won't go into details, but it was quite traumatic. And these emotional uh, disturbances can really throw you off balance. And I do this as a hobby, actually, but it's a very expensive hobby for me. But uh, we're trying to turn it into a club of humans that can form a uh, bond with putting out open source media at one level and then being paid – uh, together in uh, Patreon as uh, pulling together as a community, and uh, that way we can understand more at all the levels we're dealing with, such as tonight, and being cut off and uh, Mad being cut off and Tommy being cut off, and then I was fixing to end the show, and then all of a sudden everybody popped back up again. I don't know where you went because I wasn't – I'm watching a screen and uh, see everything that allegedly is going on. So I'm really learning that in the communication business that everything we think we know and we see and we hear isn't necessarily all of the picture, and I believe that that's what we're dealing with in today's time. So uh, everybody keep an open mind is all I can say, open ears and open eyes. (laughs) 
<laughs> because we're we're going into the other the deeper end of the pool these days. When you say Ahmad, I hadn't heard from you in a while. Why don't you speak for a moment? Ahmad, you know what we're talking about I'm talking about? Well, I, I mean, there, there's glitches and everything. <laughs> My neck keeps going up and down. I mean, I'm only hearing part of the show. What? What What do you mean your neck's mm-hmm. going up and down? <laughs> like a parrot? Up and My down? My neck. Your neck? The internet. Oh, your oh, neck. internet. I thought you said neck, too. <laughs> Okay. I think we made a point there in many ways. So, folks, just hang with us. We're we're going to get through this communications. That's why I named my company American Communications Online, and I'm gonna I'm paying the bills under Teresa J. Morris, but T.J. Morris Agency. But uh, we're gonna we've got donation buttons if you're interested in several of our groups and uh, UFOassociation.org, AlienContact.org. And our newest one is alliedcommand.org, which Ahmed's helping us with. And uh, if you want to make a donation, you can go to tjmarsagency at gmail.com or American Communications Online, all spelled out, at gmail.com. And I I use PayPal, but uh, we've never really enforced that or asked uh, in any way that we've sounded serious. But Ahmed's taking over, so... He's been doing this and raising a few thousand every month for Mike Ringley on revolution.radiofreedomslips.com. So we're going to give him, a, I think, the next seven years. We didn't do too good the first seven. We went into debt hugely. <laughs> but And I was over there pitching, and I did pretty good at pitching, too, for somebody else. But it's hard to pitch for yourself. But, Dr. Irina Scott, give us some ideas of how did you get involved with MUFON. You just, like you said, you just decided to join what local UFO in Ohio and then found out about MUFON because you got in pretty deep if you got in on the board of directors and their publications. And uh, you must have worked before Dr. Captain McDonald because they moved the office, the HQ over there on the on the line in Ohio in 2008 when I joined. Do you remember? Yeah. Um, I was a member then, but I was dormant. Um yeah, I wanted to mention um, you talked about people on the line and things. <laughs> I've had a lot of weird experiences with being on line and podcasts. And once I even put a something on Facebook about um, somebody said, boy, this is weird, all these weird noises on the line. I posted it on Facebook. But anyway, um, when I started, I... I was pretty active in the local group and doing a lot of investigation and also belonged to the, um, and then later joined MUFON. And um, several of us were just doing a lot of investigation, going out and talking to people and interviewing and everything like that. And they wanted, I think, one of us to be on the board of directors and the one that was in charge wanted to start his own group and was that interested. And so that's how I got on the board of directors for a while. Oh, okay. Do you know, remember anybody else that was on the board of directors? Is it, it's a nonprofit. Aren't they public knowledge? 
You can look it up somewhere. Yeah. Um, well, Walter Andrus was in charge then. Later, the, McDonald was in charge, and he was in Ohio. And I intended to go down and see him, and somehow I didn't. But um, Kathleen Martin and Stanton Freeman were both on the board, and um, John Schusler, and um, uh, Phillips from Missouri. I think, and I don't remember who else. I could probably find, look it up and find out, but I don't remember right now. Right, and I, being an investigator, being profit or non-profit, you can usually find out any data information, especially on the Internet. And I had asked Jan Harzan for the copy of the articles and bylaws. He said he'd send them to me, but he never did. But uh, it's, you know, coming up on the 50th anniversary, and I've always promoted MUFON. And uh, matter of fact, uh, that's how I got started. I had the commercial, and Jan wasn't aware of it, uh, <laughs> the commercial I've got somewhere for MUFON, uh, but not on this board. I don't see it anymore. So I guess uh, when I lost my other computer, I, I don't know why it didn't transfer, but it's not I here in the oh. list. Yeah, go ahead. You have it, a copy of it? I might be able to look it up. I'll run a, to another room and see if I can find it. I'll be back in a second. Okay. That'd be good. Uh, if we can, we can play the commercial for MUFON, Ahmed. And Ahmed, I don't know how to get that little uh, MP4 you made for us uh, for our disclaimer, but uh, you'll have to tell me later, and we'll add that too. Uh They published the MUFON Symposium Proceedings each year, and I was the director of publications, so I was. um, They had my picture, and I think it lists the people um, Dwight Conley. um, Well, maybe it doesn't. I was looking through here to see if I could see. Oh, Board of Directors, yeah. It has a list of board of directors that were there when I was there, if you want to hear. Really? Yeah, so the 50th uh-huh. anniversary should be quite historical, right? But, yes, any information you can share with us about MUFON will be recorded here. So go ahead. You've got there another years, or okay. is it just a handful? Go ahead, whatever you got. This is, this is for, um, let me see, what year? Uh, 1999. I have them up, so I'll just read this because I have it here. Walter Andrus was the international director. John Schusler was the deputy director and administration. Dan Wright was the deputy director of investigations. Thomas Dooley, I think he worked for the NASA once, was the corporate secretary. Tom Whitmore was a treasurer. J. Antonio H-U-N-E-E-U-S was the international coordinator. Dwight Conley was the editor of the MUFON UFO Journal. John Mack, um, a famous person, director at large psychiatry. John Carpenter, director of abduction research. I think he's from Pennsylvania. 
Um, Kathleen Martin was director of field investigator training. Carolyn McNellis was director of fundraising. Larry Bryant was director of governmental affairs. Raymond Fowler, who is the well-known author, director of investigations. Herbert Prouty, P-R-O-U-T-Y, was director of legal affairs. Robert B-L-E-T-C-H-M-A-N, Bletchman, director of public relations. Irina Scott, director of publications. Robert M. Wood, director of research. Stanton Freeman, director of special investigations. George Filer, regional director, Eastern USA. John Kaeschler, K-A-S-H-E-R, regional director, Central USA. Virgil Staff, regional director, Western USA. Michael, S-T-R-A-I-N-I-C, national director, Canada. So those were the board of directors. Wonderful. I used to have some of those uh, annual, I'm sure there's collectors out there, with the newsletter. So were you responsible for the newsletter that they send out monthly for the between 1993 and 2000? Or only on, or when, what years were you, would your name be mentioned and you were actively a member in publications? I don't remember exactly. I think it was 1993 to 2000 or 2001, something like that. Wonderful. Um, well, we really appreciate your service to MUFON, even whether I was a paid member or not, because they're so well known. Whether people are in it or out of it or pay their dues, people know it's they've done a great service for keeping UFOs out there in the mind's eye and doing their best. Uh, individual hobby volunteer people, which we're trying to do now ourselves, and uh, all these different little organizations. I found it has a lot to do with interest and personalities, and I'm very honored to be uh, helping in the community, or forming a community that's even larger than uh, what we've had in the past with MUFON, and MUFON, Sioux City, and NICAP, and all these others that have come prior. But I hope to get us listed as a UFO association organization in Wikipedia someday, we've got to work at it. And our allied command organization is, uh, I'm not sure that you would know about this, but my husband left his uh, legacy to me as the uh, allied command that we worked with beings at a higher level and uh, understood a little more because we were trained in and out of uniform as civilians and in person as personnel wearing uniforms, and uh, it was quite unbelievable that I got to do this, but I felt like it was extraterrestrials or ETs or people that look like you or me. They were humanoids, and they directed me uh, in 94, and the men in black showed up, and uh, my husband was a GS-13 and uh, Hawaii, and then he was going uh, – started out as a GS-11, but uh, – <laughs> I have a really interesting history inside the government and out in the agency intelligence community taking care of me on, on numerous occasions. And I remember being in, uh, brought over to the island from the mainland and uh, NIS agents going – they would report into me in Great Lakes. Uh, into the, I worked for the CO and EXO there, and uh, 
they, I, I was very uh, well educated by attorneys and the government work doing judge advocate general work. But you can appreciate that being that you worked in the government that you can you can understand that there's various levels and we are compartmentalized or above top secret and all of that. So, uh, do you find that people feel like that the the government and in, in they say the government is inside MUFON, but I believe it's based on the people, such as yourself. You had a government job while you were working with MUFON. Isn't that correct? Because I did. No, I had um, – that was before I joined MUFON. I wasn't out of the closet or anything back then. Oh, you didn't join until after you got got out. You, of the government, so you weren't working for yeah. the DIA. No, um, I joined. I was working. I had I had a PhD by then. I was working for universities. I wasn't in the DIA when I joined the. I didn't talk about UFOs at all when I was in the DIA. <clears throat> yeah. It's not the intelligence community we discussed. Now, I understand later on with the FBI, they had a paranormal desk, and so did the intelligence agency, a paranormal desk. Did you ever hear about that, or only since To the Stars has been around? Are you familiar with anything to do in in government with paranormal, other than uh, books maybe we've read? (laughs) Did you know about paranormal desk? Well, when I was working for the DIA, uh, I had that sighting, and I was pretty nervous about it, and I mentioned um, UFOs. I didn't say I see UFOs or anything like that, but I just mentioned the subject. And I was working for the Air Order Battle Department, where we were supposed to identify all the aircraft over a particular area. And um, I expected everybody to laugh at me and harass me, but they didn't. Oh. Instead, my supervisors said that they had. Uh, right before that, they had reported a UFO on our satellite photography, and they um, had reported it to – I mean, they showed me the pictures and everything, too, and they reported it to their higher-ups, and their higher-ups had actually debunked it in ridiculous ways and told them that they didn't see it, that it was a spot on the film, even though it wasn't. And I thought from that that probably – there's higher levels in the government that know something about UFOs because we were supposed to, I mean, that was our profession. When we were well-trained, I think my supervisor was like a GS-14 or something. And they having them say, well, you didn't see that. It's not there. was just ridiculous. And that's made me think that in the inner depths of the DIA or the CIA or something, there's somebody that knows something about UFOs. Right. That's the uh, the way that they made us not ever mention anything about it. Really made me wonder because there was a fear in the higher ups and a fear of uh, talking about it. So I learned later, working with my husband, uh, we worked uh, directly for the president of the United States. So I got to see uh, working the levels and. Uh, I, uh, how different uh, Department of State, CIA, uh, FBI, NIS, uh, Navy work together. So 
I was very fortunate, but I wasn't talking about UFOs uh, at all. So uh, I was fortunate to get the training, in, and you understand what I'm talking about. It would be like uh, the various levels. I was told I was being trained joint, uh, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, right? And I went around. I can legally say if I had to swear in a court of law that I've been trained by all divisions, and I was assigned certain uniforms. And uh, I was trained at Lowry Air Force Base uh, while I was sleeping to do what you do, identify flying objects uh, in my sleep. <laughs> and I wore well, black pajamas, so to speak. Uh, go ahead. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, the DIA was composed of civilians and military people, and so you had to keep track of the level, the different levels of who's uh, like a captain in the Air Force is equal to uh, something in the Army and something in civilian and all that. Well, I was trained at uh, Lowry Air Force Base, too, and in a number of other places. They sent me to a school for six months, eight hours a day. What? Uh, what? Now, wait in, a minute. Think about it. Here we are talking. A mad put us together for the Allied Command, and you just said another clue. You were trained at Lowry Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. Well, I was too. And I was visited by yeah. a German there to give me my clearance out in a field at the air, out off of the tarmac, which they took me way out away from the buildings. Uh, what was your experience at Lowry? Were you trained? It was uh, like photogrammetry and photo uh, interpretation was the field I was trained in there. Okay. Do you not remember how many weeks or time you were there, or did you train during the day, looking like cartography or, or photo observation or mapping? What? Yeah. What part? It was. Um, it, I was trained at um, in St. Louis at the Aerospace Center for six months in cartography, which was all kinds of things like astronomy and computer languages and mathematics and just all kinds of things to be before I had a good position in cartography as a physical scientist. My husband scientist. and I trained in St. Louis, too. He had a car bombing there. People tried to kill him in St. Louis. <laughs> wow. Wow, this is very interesting. We should really compare probably off the air first. <laughs> yeah. How all this works together with uh, Buffon. DIA, NSA, CIA, FBI, and all this, because all of us old-timers that are now out, we should all start comparing our life training and how all this interacts now, because it is exposure to disclosure if we all get together, and I guess, behind a closed room, I don't know, and just start comparing notes for disclosure, because someone besides the government is in charge and and I felt like there were other civilians coming on with passes to train me and of course men in black were always around me even when I ran a corporation in Hawaii men would meet me at the air if I used a civilian not military I would be met by men in black uh, and I couldn't tell you which agency they were so uh, there's a lot I don't understand about the extraterrestrial world, but I would like to understand how much is the government, how much is men in black, how much is extraterrestrial, 
And I believe that's where we're headed. And I, Matt, I don't think it's any coincidence that you put Dr. Scott and I together, do you? Who? <laughs> do what? I was, I was trying to get Ahmed. Ahmed, are you tuned into this conversation? As much as I can be. <laughs> <laughs> You're meaning your equipment, I hope. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm missing pieces. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, maybe we can go back and listen. Dr. Scott, would you be willing to return when we could go more in depth? Because uh, I believe between you and I, we can put together a very interesting a conversation that would be instrumental in the future of exposure to disclosures, what I call it, EDP. <laughs> Is that right? Exposure to disclosure, <laughs> E-T-D. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're, yeah, I think we should start our own little female thing here. But, you know, there's some cross-training that maybe other people don't really understand unless they've had an ET experience. And what if the ETs are directing our educational process? Have you ever thought well, of that? Yeah, I've wondered about it. In fact, I've even said in my book, that what, if, <laughs> what if the government is under mind control from, you know, top of the government? Some people might be under mind control from UFOs. I speculated on that. Can I throw I something think we're in on that real fast? Uh-huh. Go ahead, Tommy. All right. All right. I just I did a show on that. I actually just talked to a, one of my best friends. He's the top uh I told you, he does exorcisms. He's the top exorcist in the United States. Well, I was saying here's a problem. The government is controlled by the rich people. They're, they care about protecting the rich people because people don't talk about the underground cities, the underground subways, and everything that's being built underground. Uh, one person I know has a house built for him directly under the city. Uh, it's fully furnished with all kinds of – they have every kind of food, water, purification system down there, and nobody talks about it because the government right now – and I think I told you, TJ, they're preparing – FEMA's preparing groups of people from 18 to 24 to work as their army people – when the destruction hits the planet, and they're preparing for that right now. So the government cares about rich people because they're the ones that pay all the bills and take care of everything. They don't care about middle class, so the middle class will be on the planet when it gets hit, or however you want to look at it. So it's not like I always say to look at what's happening in the world, look at the world. Because I know TJ, uh, TJ, Janet always got upset and everything. I said, look at the world around you more than ever. Children killing children, a rape, child sales, all those things are up higher than ever in history, and they're really bad. Everything about the drug scene, I mean, it's all high to the max, and that's not aliens. See, people don't understand, and I, I'll, I'll, I'll put my life on the line, that Lucifer controls his armies, and they control the alien races as well. So it's a higher, higher power than the aliens are because even the aliens that claim to be God – didn't do anything good with, with the Mayans. They didn't do anything good with the Aztecs. They didn't do anything good with the Egyptians. And people think pyramids were important. They were important to the high-class high, high, high class people. They weren't important to all the slaves that helped work and build and, and work on them. So we're in a society right now that's pretty critical as far as being aware of what's happening, but it's not about middle-class people. 
they care about the rich people, and that's who they're working for. That's who they're building the underground cities for. So I don't classify aliens, demons as good people, obviously, but the government is, is the, the, the workforce for them here. I'll leave it at that. There, Tommy, there's truth in everything, and I understand what you're saying. And, folks, we do deal with levels of intelligence, and we're, uh, my company is about educational entertainment. Otherwise, I wouldn't be on the radio right now because I was known as a psychic or precog, and uh, I strongly suggest that the reason I got involved with the government was because of the extraterrestrials. I had a, a passion, and the government had a hard time trying to figure out what to do with me when I came back out of country from Africa and Europe and Spain and other places but uh, because I wanted what I wanted and I was very intent on getting myself in the uniform and I didn't understand when they called me a rehire or when I went through a 4 by 10 program that I wasn't even aware of and I was reclassified in the Navy under a different uh, it's it's just inside personnel information security or OPM Office of Personnel Management, but there was various records already on me. And then when they, I came through the U.S. Treasury Department, they said I was already cleared. But then I'd been cleared from NASA back in '67, so I have a lot of questions. And I worked inside the government, and I worked as an investigator. <laughs> so Dr. Scott worked in very sensitive compartmentalized uh, positions. And I understand a little bit of her work because my brain was trained to observe. So I'm not sure where this is going, but I believe that the government and the extraterrestrials and this disclosure and uh, between the government and coming out globally that we're going to start discovering that we are all working. But it's not one thing. I believe we're working at various levels. And at certain people, like everything in the world, you have the poor in India that, you know, even Jesus said the poor will be with us always. So, you know, there's different people, philosophies, philosophies, theosophy, ways to think. And we're going to start adding our levels of intelligence and levels of education, but also just knowing and being aware that there's various people with various parts of a puzzle. And, Tommy, I, I don't know what you're saying, but I, I believe there's good and bad in all of us, and there's good and bad in all groups. And maybe PJ, there is what, something. What? What I was going to say, in the past 50 years, what did the human race, mankind, do to help us move forward spiritually? Well, it's not about just one thing or the other. You can't just talk well, in general. Well, to me we it can is. Look because at, well, we're out of time Every war we have so, – wait, wait. All right, every war we have is based on religion. It's not based on aliens, and it's not based on, on other things. It's based on religion. So if we don't get a religion organized around the world, how are we going to build some kind of unity? And it's a matter well, of God go and with, religion. Yeah, I was going to go with there's good and bad in everybody and everything, and, and human versus alien could be part of it. But we can be aliens and extraterrestrials, those we know and those we don't. Just like we say, objects are either Earth origin or not of Earth origin, NEOs. So, uh, folks, we're going to get into all this. It's going to it's going to take us a while, but it's more than any one company or nonprofit can deal with, whether they're government contractors, a profit or nonprofit, MUFON, C City, uh, whomever, uh, you know, Stephen Greer, or our groups. But let's get together.
Dr. Irina Scott, I would love to talk to you further. You're a great uh, person for sharing, and uh, I think it's wonderful considering you didn't even know me, and uh, Ahmad brought us together. But we're friends apparently on one of my many – I've got like 20 Facebooks out there. Not It was intentional uh, because I changed my Gmails many times, and because I did the work – uh, to help bring people together, they threw them out there and let me have them. So I had over 5,000 on my own first one. Ahmad, I appreciate this. You're going to be on Sunday. Everybody tune in to Ahmad Revolution Radio. And Tommy and I will be probably back tomorrow and Sunday and Monday. And uh, Mad, I guess uh, we'll just see if you talk to Ken, let him know he was missed. Um, Tommy and Mad and uh, Dr. Scott. Can you get with Tom Becker and let us know when you're available again? Because I'd like to continue this discussion on air and off. So uh, my email is tjmarsagency at gmail. Uh, tjmarsagency, that's M-O-R-R-I-S, if anybody's interested. T-J-M-O-R-R-I-S agency, A-G-E-N-C-Y, at gmail.com. I'm 67, retired, and... Uh, putting together American Communications Online with Thomas Becker and Thomas Anthony Sinisi, which he goes by Tommy Hawksblood Sinisi on Facebook. Thomas Becker goes by a mad painter, and I go by T.J. Morris Agency. So Dr. Arena Scott on uh, Facebook, do you go by Dr. Arena Scott? <laughs> no, I go by Arena McCammon Scott, or just Arena Scott. I- Irina Hammond Scott, was that Hammond your maiden name? No. Yeah, McCammond. Oh, oh excuse me. Uh, M- could you spell that for us so we can find you on Facebook? McCanlon? Yeah, I'm, I'm just Irina Scott from Ohio. Um, McCammon, M C C A M M O N. Irina McCammon Scott. And your book is, you're an author, so we could put you in our author's book club and promote your book uh-huh. uh, Mad's helping me with my store I've had one for years I just haven't even used it it takes a lot of time but uh, what was the name of the, the latest book that you're promoting or maybe not promoting but the talking about your book my latest book is called my latest book is called Sacred Corridors um, it has a big long subtitle <laughs> Sacred Corridors is that available uh-huh. on Amazon? Yeah. All right. Actually, well, I'll I have, have to get up. A... Go ahead. I have a website. list all my books. I have a website. Oh, it's just irenascott.com, and it lists all my books. Really? All right. Well, that helps us a lot. Irenascott.com will help everybody, mm-hmm. and I will try to get all of that to you on our ACO Association, our UFO Association, and I, I'm backlogged for Dr. Rick Miller and other people that have books out there, including Tommy and Amad me. But uh, Tommy, help me and Amad, and let's get our bookstore up because now that we're going to be interviewing people for the Allied Command, uh, we can get that store on Aerocop up. And we have Educational Research Association, Community Online, Dr. Scott, Aerocop.com. We have so many websites. And we're putting together magazines, so hopefully we'll get a store up for everybody that's coming into our group. And uh, Dr. Scott, I will not forget you. I've just got to get on yours and start getting permission from you to 
with a mad and a mad's throwing us up an agreement and we'll get uh get your books and cut and paste pictures probably whatever's easier for you if you don't mind so we can Thank put you. your books up oh no it's Great. a service we're going to offer yeah Ahmad, as Ahmad and Dr. Ken, I'm sorry you missed Dr. Ralph Kennedy Johnston Sr. tonight. Have you spoke with him prior? The NASA, uh, he's Grumman Industrial Consultant, and he worked uh, with JPL and his uh, brother and uh, I think his cousin, and he lived in NASA area in Houston the same time I did. And he was supposed to be here tonight, but he, he probably had a function because his wife is uh, – real brilliant and runs horse shows and goes to those. She's like a world champion of these little tiny horses they they breed and used to use in coal mining around the world. So he's probably off at a function on Friday night, but he would have been here. But I want you to talk to him. Have you talked to him before to, at a event? Hello? Hello? Oh. Hello? Hello? Anybody there? Can you hear there? me? Can you hear me? I, I, I guess we're... <laughs> all, all of you blanked out there for a second. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> I, all right, Ahmed. Well, we'll uh, folks, it's time to go, but Dr. Rena Scott, I would personally like to give you an invite to our ACO club. As an honorary member, and we will carry your books, and Ahmad will explain all that to you. But since you've been a director before, Ahmad, find out what's entailed. She has all this inside knowledge. Maybe she'll share with us and, and come aboard. I would love to have another woman, Dr. Scott. If, uh, well, thank you. We like to be here. That, yeah. that, that's what attracted me to her is that she was a woman who was getting out there and doing the talking, you know. Yeah, this would be awesome, Dr. Scott. And I'm yeah. I just uh it's it's exciting that we've had some cross training. Like I said, I'd like to talk to you off yeah. off air even. <laughs> I think that we ought to strike up an email relationship or something. Yeah, man, this yeah. is going somewhere and pe- people may enjoy it, you know, what we uh you and I may enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. what all what exactly is going on here that nobody's really addressing? So us women are gonna get to the bottom. I don't know if we'll get to the bottom of disclosure, but at least to the exposure of disclosure, <laughs> if you're up for that, Dr. Scott. <laughs> yeah. Great. I think it'd be fun. All right. Well, Mad uh-huh. uh, and Tommy, uh, we'll have her back and just as soon as possible, Mad. And Tommy, you ought to have her on your show, too. So Tommy has a show and Mad has a show. And now we've got more to talk about. It takes, you know, talking to each other to find out what stirs the imagination and the brain and We've got some cross-training here. Very interesting. The plot thickens. Oh, the game is yeah. afoot, y'all. <laughs> oh, wait till right, you find out get... about the book, in the, the one about the light. Uh, what's the name of it? The Ball of Light? Or we... well, I mean, you can, oh. we can get all that, right? What's the name of it, Dr. Scott? Inside the Lightning Ball. Inside the Lightning Ball, and that's available on, on Irena, com. Yeah. All right, it's well, that's what we need to remember right now. Yeah. All right. It's a- People try to remember Irena Scott. Uh-oh. Now what's going on? Anybody know? Are you oh there? Oh, my gosh. 
uh, <laughs> hey, Matt, some, some other company, some other company just got inside my computer saying, "Are you there, Matt?" Yeah. Hello. All right. I don't Hello. know what's going on, but I'm here. Something. Uh, wow. Ahmed, somebody just got inside the computer and talking. Uh, wow, that was deep. Wow, that was interesting. Wow. Uh, it's gone now. It came on. It was uh, radio waves and uh, thinking. Uh, amazing. Wow. All right, we better go because we're being infiltrated by something very powerful in the computer. <laughs> wow. That was As the amazing. AI world. They're taking over. All right, folks. Uh, that was absolutely amazing. That was beautiful. It was speaking to me, and it was showing me radio waves, and I've never seen that screen before. And they told me something, and uh, it was amazing. So we best get off here. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't anything with blog coach. It was much, much higher than that. So we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I mean, uh, Irina, there's people listening to us at a very high level. And <laughs> I would imagine it's some of the companies we worked for before. <laughs> anyway, that was very interesting. So, uh, yes. So uh, they want us to – it said, what are you thinking? Are you out of your mind? And showed up like, what? Okay. All right. So thank you very much, whoever you were in the uh, inner side of cyberspace there. I was like not believing what I was seeing. All right. So, yes, we're being monitored. So uh, thank you. I'm sure at some level we'll start comparing notes. All right. Well, thank you, Irina, and we will definitely get back in touch with you. Imagine we better end this Allied Command organization tonight because we got higher levels, and I don't know who it is because they're not telling me. We're making a difference. We're definitely making a difference. All right. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.